You are listening to the weekly podcast of Rio Rancho Church of Christ in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. We pray you enjoy today's message. If you have your Bibles, let's go to our scripture reading. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. 1 and 2. We are continuing our series. This is the last message in this series, Onward. We started this at the new year. We are beginning this new year, this journey, Onward, launching out in Jesus Christ. We talked about how we need to plan, how God provides. This morning, we're going to talk about your three points for your notes this morning are this. Are you ready? Look. Your first one. Look. That's your second one. And don't look. I changed it up on you. Yeah. Look, look, and don't look. And we're going to build on that. So to give you a little bit of background, the Hebrew writer, and I say the Hebrew writer because there's not a definitive answer of who wrote the book. Some folks like to say the Apostle Paul wrote the book because of how it's written, the language it's used, the grammar, the sophistication, the knowledge of the Hebrew people and their covenant, so on and so forth. But it doesn't directly tell us that he's the author. And so we say the Hebrew writer. He writes at a time roughly, this is right before the temple is destroyed, some few years before that. So you could date the book in the late 60s. The temple was destroyed in AD 70. So I say that to give you kind of a picture of what's going on here. You have Christians who are living in the Roman Empire in this environment of there's persecution going on. It is not the easiest thing to be a Christian at this time. And so the Hebrew writer, he points out so many different things. Christ is better. Christ is better. Christ is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than the prophets. He's better than the old law. He gets to a point, he says, don't go back to Judaism. Stay and stand firm with Jesus Christ. You get to chapter 11, and most of us, if you haven't read it, we've kind of heard about it. It's this hall of fame of faith heroes in chapter 11. You have folks that, like Moses, like Noah, you have go on the list down there. And he says, I don't even have time to write about them all. To talk about all their exploits. But this is what we call that hall of fame of faith heroes. Those who God called, who they stood, and they walked in faith in a promise that God had made them. And then we get to chapter 12. So I want you to keep that in mind. We get to chapter 12. And let's read it together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So our first point is look. Look around. Look around. In chapter 11... The writer points out all of these great men and women of faith who stood in God's promises, stood looking forward to what God had told them. So now he gets to chapter 12, 
And he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what, what does that mean? Are they, are they sitting up in glory in heaven? Are they looking down at us? Are they surrounding us in that way? Are they a legacy of people who stood in faith that we can look back at? As they stood in faith, we can learn and live by the legacy that they left. Notice what he says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. What were they witnesses to? They were witnesses to the faith that they had in God and the promises that God had made. That's what they were witness to. They were witness to the faithfulness of God, to the faithfulness of his promise, to the faithfulness of the covenant that he made with them. And he says, look, we have a testimony of those who have gone on before us who remain faithful. And more than that, God was faithful to them in every way Amen. because God is faithful when we are not. This is their testimony. This is their witness. So he says, I want you to look around, look around. And I think sometimes we need to do that, too. We get in this journey. We start launching onward. And, and things get tough. We, we talked a little bit about how they're living in a time of persecution. Things can get tough. And he reminds them. He says, I want you to look around at those who came before you. If you've grown up in a family where folks, they had it a little harder than you did. But they worked hard. They worked hard. They studied hard. They committed themselves, which allowed you to walk after them in those steps. Amen. And if you didn't have that for yourself, then perhaps you're the person who's working hard and studying hard so that you can leave that legacy for your children. And we have that too. Sometimes we get so bogged down in what we're experiencing in the moment. Again, they're living through persecution. We can experience things in moments and circumstances where it's just hard in life. That things are bombarding all at once. And we're walking with Christ and we're saying, I am walking with Christ. I'm going where he leads. But yet all of these things are happening. It's so easy for us to turn this way or that way. And he says, I want you to look around at those who came before you. God was faithful to them as they walked in faith. You rest in that hope. Look around what God has done for them. Because God is doing the same for you. God is faithful to you. When he says, I'm going to bring you through it, guess what God means? I'm going to bring you through it. That's what he means. And if anybody has a track record, it's God. You know, some people say, hey, I'm going to do this or hey, I'm going to do that. And it doesn't happen. But when that person says, I'm going to do this and they follow through on it, that's God 100% of the time. He says, if I'm going to bring you through it, I'm going to bring you through it. He says, I'm with you in the storm. Guess where I'm with you? I'm with you in the storm. Every step of the way. So the Hebrew writer says, I want you to look around at all of these witnesses. I want you to look around at all of them. But let's keep going. He says... Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what does he tell us to do? Let us also lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight. Uh, the word there in the Greek when he says weight, it's like a stone that is used to balance scales. A heavy stone of some kind. That's the weight that is being weighed down. 
He says, what I want you to do is to lay aside every weight. So I got a question for you this morning. How many of you all are carrying a weight around? I don't mean your panza. <laughs> but really, some of us are walking around with weights that we've been carrying around for years. Years. You ever... I've shared with you all a little bit of my journey of trying to be healthier. I say try. And one of the things, you know, I've started jogging, started running, and that's, don't laugh, who laughs? <laughs> Nothing but love. I also didn't wear my bowling shoes either. But you know, you start running, you start jogging, and then someone comes along and says, Hey, that's great. Have you ever thought about running with some ankle weights? It's like, no, why would you think of that? I'm trying to get weight off. Right? So, so then you try that. You, you put on either some ankle weights or you get one of those vests that have weights and you start running with that. And, and you have this load that's on you. Until finally you get back from your jog, and what do you do? You, you unzip it or you unvelcro it, and you take off the weight, and then what? <sighs> you feel a little lighter. You can breathe. You can move. So, so the question always is, is, why am I carrying around this weight that God wanted to take off of me years ago? When I entered into Christ, and Christ washed me of my past, of my sin, of everything the world tells me, you are so filthy and ugly, and God made me white and clean, pure as snow, it says. I made you. Why is it that some of us are going back and picking up that weight and walking with it? Mm -hmm, it's quiet now. <laughs> Why do we do that? Because the Hebrew writer says, I want you to lay it aside. What the term there is talking about, again, in the original language, he says, take off. Take off. Just like we take off that weight vest or we take off those ankles. He says, take off this weight. And when you take it off, you stow it away. You put it away. He says, that's what you need to be doing. Why is that? He says, take off this weight. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. So I want you to notice there's a subtle, there's a subtle difference the writer makes here. He says, take off this weight, that's one, and then he says, and sin, and sin, which clings so closely. So how, how do we look at these two things? The weight that's holding us down, the sin that entices us. You know, you ever think about there are some things in our lives that we look at, and it's not necessarily sin, but it is weight. Do you get me on that one? Or do I got to explain some more? So, Paul says all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I think around verse 23. Which means I have the freedom in Christ. It's lawful for me to engage in A, B, or C, 
but it's not expedient. What does it mean not to be expedient? It's not beneficial. It's not beneficial. So we kind of live our lives where, okay, I, I can identify sin, and I know what that is, but what else is weighing me down that isn't particularly sin, but it's definitely not expedient for me to be involved in? Do you see what I'm saying? Because we all have those instances in our lives where that gets in the way. 1952, July 4th, 1952, Florence Chadwick, she was a swimmer. She was the first woman to swim the English Channel there and back across both sides. And she decided the next thing she was going to do on that particular day, she was going to swim from the Catalina Islands, which is off the coast of California, from there and swim to California. So she has her team set, the boats are around her, but on this particular day, it was fog everywhere. So she got in the water, she started swimming, and the fog just laid in so thick. She was in the water for over 15 hours swimming. What's interesting enough is she's swimming, as she knows it, the direction towards the coast. She can hear the boats, but she can't see them, and the boats are kind of going around her to keep sharks away. So she knows her team is there. But because of the fog, she cannot see the coast. So after 15 hours of swimming, she says, she waves, she starts calling out and says, okay, take me in the boat. What's interesting, it wasn't that she was tired and it wasn't her endurance that gave out on her. They got her into the boat and she was shocked. She was only, I think, about a mile or less from the coast. That's how close she was. But what obstructed her view was the fog. The fog got in the way. And I wonder sometimes how many of us have fogs in our life? It's not that I don't have the strength. It's not that God hasn't given me the endurance. But I've allowed fog to come into my life that has obstructed my view of the coast, which is Jesus Christ. Because it's come in so thick. So, so what is it that's involved in my life that necessarily isn't sin, but it's definitely not expedient? What, what's that in your life? Let's keep going. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us. I want you to look at that. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That is set before us. I went... My dad's a retired police officer. Most of you know that. So when I was younger, I got to go on ride-alongs with him, which was fun. I think I was about 10 or 12, and he worked the graveyard shift, and I got to go on a ride-along with him. And there was this gentleman who was trying to start his car. He was quite inebriated. That means he was drunk. He couldn't quite do it. And so 
my dad, we're sitting there in, in the patrol car, so finally my dad pulls up to where the gentleman can see the car. So what he decides to do is, you know, I can't get any kind of DUI. That, that can't happen. He knows he's drunk. So he takes off, running as fast as he can go. Okay? He never moved. It was, and man, he was working up a sweat. I mean, he was committed. He was gone. He never moved an inch. His arms moved. His legs were going. But he never changed positions. The word here, when he says run the race of endurance, run is present tense, and it means you are making progress. That man was not making progress. Some of us are not realizing that I'm in this race, and I'm in this race to make progress. Otherwise, we're like that man who we're just running in place. We're, we're using a lot of energy. I'm working up a sweat, but I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not making any progress. He says, run the race of endurance. He says, I need you to make progress in your walk, in your spiritual life. Make progress. That brings us down to, we look to Jesus. Look around Next is look to Jesus. Look to The Bible tells us he is the author and finisher of our faith. What does that mean? The author and finisher. It means he originates our Our faith starts with him. Nowhere else. What we come to Christ because of Jesus. It all starts with Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. So it originates with him. And your version may say finisher or perfecter. Of your faith. I, I like the, the way it can be translated. And I think it's much better. He completes it. That's what he does. He completes our faith. So he originates our faith. And he completes our faith. Which says what? My faith is totally encased in him. So my eyes are firmly fixed on Jesus. How, how many of you in here are avid runners? Yeah, because we're not weird people. <laughs> One of the things, and this I had to research, not by personal experience, is someone who is a very avid runner who actually competes in races. What they do is, when they start running, they don't look around at the people running next to them. Where do you think they look? They look straight ahead to their marker or to the finish line of where they're going. And that's how they run. And they maintain endurance and they maintain stamina. And he says, when you run this race of endurance, you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't look here. Don't look there. What does here and there mean? I'm going to spell it out for you. Don't look at your neighbor. Amen. Don't look at your other neighbor. And say, well, Alvin's doing this. And Johnny's not doing this. We're not looking at him or her. We're looking at Jesus. You see, I'm not concerned with what you're doing or what he's doing or with what she's doing. I'm concerned about making it to Jesus. That's what I want to do. 
Matter of fact, Peter comes up and he says, well, what about John? And Jesus says, what about John? If I want him to live until I come again, what is that to you? And then what does he tell him? He says, you follow me. Stop looking at your neighbor. Stop looking at what they're doing, what they're not doing, and then measuring yourself by, by, by what they do. It's not about that. Your eyes are not fixed on them. Your eyes are not fixed on the preacher. Your eyes are not fixed on the elders. Your eyes are not fixed on the deacons. Your eyes are fixed on Jesus. Because guess what? Your faith didn't originate with any of them. Your faith isn't made complete by any of them. He says the author of your faith is Christ alone. Keep your focus on Jesus. Next, I want us to keep going now. Let's go down. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Here's your last point. Don't look back. Don't look back. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8 tells us that Christ left the glory of God, the glory of heaven, put on human flesh, to be obedient to God, even obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. For the joy that's set before him. What he's saying here, that joy, for the joy, is that instead of, that word for can be translated instead of. Instead of the joy that he experienced in glory with his father, he chose to leave that, endure the shame of a cross for all of us. For all of us. Don't look back. Don't look back. It's so easy in our lives to try and look back and think, I missed something. Or I am missing something. You put this together between chapter 11 as we get into chapter 12. He talks about the Hall of Fame of Faith. But the greatest example of faith is why we get into chapter 12. And he points out, this is Jesus. Be like Jesus. Don't look back. Don't look back. Too, too many times, too many times we allow, just as the early Christians did, circumstances and things that we we're experiencing to keep us from looking around at those who've gone before us and be encouraged by the strength and the faith that they have. Some of you get here in the morning, and I know you're hurting, I know you're in pain, both physically, emotionally, psychologically. I see it, and I know it, and yet I see you here every Sunday. I want you to know right now, you are an encouragement to me. You may not think it, you may not know it, but you are encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of us forget to look around at our brothers and sisters who are coming, overcoming major obstacles to be here. And yet sometimes I just want to sleep in. Or I've got to do this, or I've got to do that. And yet the grace has got here over all physical ailments. Let's, let's look at our brothers and sisters in Christ. Encourage one another. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. 
looking around everywhere else to the extent of who's doing what, who's not, and then measuring yourself. You don't measure yourself by anyone but the blood of Christ. Amen. And guess what? The ground is level at the foot of the cross. What does that mean? It means you don't have a higher seat and someone doesn't have a higher seat than you. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. It means we are all equal here. Washed by his blood. I want you to go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. You see, we have this picture of the Hall of Fame of Faith. All of these heroes. Noah, Moses, so on and so forth. Abraham. All these, these men who are pillars in faith that we learn about growing up. You know what's interesting about all of those people? They messed up. And they didn't just mess up a little bit. They messed up a lot. Abraham lied on multiple occasions. This is not my wife. This is my sister. <laughs> Almost to the point where the king says, you could make me sin by doing that. Worst thing you can do is cause somebody else to stumble. Mm -hmm. This is what Abraham did. You have Moses, who God speaks with him, uses him as a messenger and an instrument to deliver an entire nation out of bondage, but yet he didn't get into the promised land. All of these folks, as great in faith as they are, still had their issues and struggles. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Why am I saying all that? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. We talked about where he says, lay aside every weight, put off, take off. That's the phrase there. Actually, in the Greek, it's the exact same phrase as what's here. The wording of it. This is what Paul says. To put off, to take off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So what he's saying is when he says, take this off and put it off, that's your old person. Take it off, stow it away, put it away. And you know what? Some of y'all need to stop going back to the graveyard. Stop digging up the old man. That old man died when you were buried with him in baptism, rise to walk in newness of life. Stop going back and drudging them back up. This is not pet cemetery. <laughs> leave it there why he says that he says put off your old self which belongs to your former life that's not who you are anymore so many times people want to remind you of what you were remind you of your past and drudge up something that happened years ago you are not that person anymore. Matter of fact, Paul says that. That is not the person you are anymore. That manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God. And the true righteousness and holiness. You are a new person. A new creation. You see, we get so... We get on this journey and we start launching forward and we are on mission and we are on point. And then so much of this fog gets into our life. And we start 
shifting our focus from where it should be. We, we can do that here sometimes. We have various ministries and we're going to talk about it. We're going to keep some, we're going to get rid of some, we're going to add some. If you're curious about what that is, stick around for the meeting, you'll find out. But we can get so focused on just ministry oriented to forget the goal of the ministry. And the goal of the ministry is to bring the lost to Jesus. That's the goal. But sometimes we can lose sight of that. There were these bricklayers. They were laying bricks. A man walks up to two of them. And he asks him, he says, what are you doing? He says, well, why are you asking me that? Can't you see me? I'm laying bricks. Okay. He goes to the next gentleman. He says, what are you doing? Gentleman still laying bricks. Same, different guy. He looks up and he responds to the man. He goes, I'm building a cathedral. Your walk with God, sometimes we get so locked into just this step. No, you're on a journey to Jesus Christ. You, you are running. Because that's the word there. Run. Progress. You are on a race to Jesus Christ. You're building a cathedral. You're not just laying bricks. You have a mission and a purpose that God has designated for you to walk with him, to journey towards him, and to take everyone with us that we can. I encourage you this morning, if you have not made that commitment to Jesus Christ, if you have not put away that old man, take off that old man and throw it away. If you have not done that, do that this morning. The Bible tells us why delay. Today is the day of salvation. Be buried with him in baptism. Rise to walk in newness of life. Put off that old manner of life and walk with God. And we're going to walk with you. Through your highs and through your lows. And when or if you mess up and you fall, guess what? We're not going to tell you I told you so. We're going to get down with you and help lift you back up. Restore such a one in the faith. And that's what we'll do. And we'll walk with you. If you have wandered away from that, if you have wandered away from your commitments, if you've let the fog get in the way, I encourage you, come back home. Come back home. We as the church, we want to walk and journey with you. And we'll make this journey together. If we can help you in any way or pray for you for anything, we desire to do so. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.